1: morning to you. I hope it's good for you. Certainly hope that uh, your week's going better than last week. As we all know what last week we all had to deal with. Still having to deal with uh, a little bit of the residual work from last week with the uh, injury to the old wing there. But glad to be back in here this morning even after the Late, late, late night turnaround, the flight home after uh, the big Monday matchup at Kansas between uh, the Longhorns and Jayhawks, and uh, got back really late, well, wee hours of this morning, but certainly glad to be with you. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way, glad to have you with us, Jeff Howe will be here shortly. Jeff was doing the wrap up on uh, the uh, big news this morning about the Warren Roberson uh, change from TCU to Texas, and we'll have the tales on that coming up in our Longhorn Notebook at the bottom of the hour. Our producer is Cameron Parker. How was uh, how's your morning up and running there, Cam?
2: It's just getting started, Craig glad to have you back here safely it's been a crazy travel week not only for you but for i feel like the both the Texas men's and women's program
1: yeah yeah it is it's i i, I do feel a little bedraggled uh but that's okay um that's that's all part of the deal That it's that it's going to be very uh very tight but uh glad to be glad to be here and glad to be uh going at it again and uh we'll we'll have a longhorn notebook Coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, but uh, obviously we'll recap uh, the Longhorns lost to Kansas last night, and like we said, Jeff, with the big recruiting news this morning, that'll be coming up as well, and uh, we'll have Inconceivable, we'll have a Flex 30 update, we have a lot to get to. By the way, have you, uh, I know you were kind of, uh, uh, have headset-will-travel kind of guy when it comes to the local high school scene. I know that, obviously, in football, but also in other sports as well. Um, let me let me see if I can guess all the sports that you have done. Uh, football, basketball, uh, baseball? Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard you tell me one time about water polo. Did you do water polo? I believe it was canceled, but I was supposed to do water polo. You were supposed to do it. got Okay. Uh, volleyball? Yes. Uh, softball? Yes uh what am i leaving out
2: swimming and diving yeah there we go there we go and was supposed to call lacrosse did not get to do that but yeah that's that's about
1: it (laughs) uh okay uh well uh, have you have you been up to any of that stuff lately so i just finished up the uh 6a region 7 championship
2: this past week for swimming and diving, which saw a lot of great local names, including Westlake, who took home the girls' championship in that region. Vandergrift had a great showing, so we're getting ready for the 4A and below championships this week, the Josh Davis Netatorium, which I'll be out there for Texan live and Dave Campbell's.
1: Okay, see, that's what I was talking about, because I knew you were a pretty busy dude when it came uh, to that sort of deal. All right, uh, our Specs text line is open at 337. Three seven seven six five one two three three seven three seven seven six Uh Concordia Kevin on the specs text on asked me, he says, How does Craig travel to UT games? On team plane, commercial, private? Uh, the, the, uh, I would say yes to all three except the private part. Uh, the, uh, uh, I'm on the, the team charter on the, the lion's share of the time these days. But sometimes commercial. I'll give you give an example. Uh, last month, the men had a Tuesday night game in Ames at Iowa State, and the women had a Wednesday night game in Lubbock at Texas Tech. Well, there's no way you could you know, be on the charter for both of those things. So, uh, you know, went up with the men on a Monday night, uh, the charter, did the basketball game, game Tuesday night, chartered home with them because – well, and then and then uh, on Wednesday morning, flew up commercial to Lubbock, called the women's game, and then flew home with them on the charter. It, it's um, I'm sure many of you who have traveled a lot in the winter time would probably agree with me on this that um, trying to go from Des Moines to Lubbock in the dead of winter can be a dicey proposition. Now the weather was actually decent. In Lubbock, I got out. Of, you know, it, it was a good thing I I went back on the charter with the men that night because the the bad weather moved in the next day. So, um, so it just it, it depends on the game. It depends on uh, the situation. Obviously, if it's a drivable situation, sometimes I'll drive. Uh, Eddie Orne and I drive together sometimes. We'll we'll ride up together. So it just kind of depends. In the case of last Saturday to Monday, this was a a really unusual. Uh, situation, in that it was the first time that Texas had played back-to-back road games where the second game was a big Monday game. Now, they've had back-to-back road games, but when you think about it, that let's say they had a uh, big Monday road game, and then their next game was the ensuing Saturday, five days later. Uh and so they would fly home, obviously, and the guys would you know, be in class and practice and all that, and then they would go out on Friday to the next road game. That's happened many, many times. But they hadn't had a deal where they played a Saturday road game and then had a big Monday game. And the, and the Big 12 used to have a real, uh, they were real sticklers about that, that they wanted the teams that played on the road on Saturday, if they were involved in a big Monday game, to be at home and vice versa. If you played at home on Saturday and you were involved in a big Monday game, forty-eight hours later, then you should be on the road. So, th- for years, that's the policy they stuck to. But I, I, I've started to see it change uh, a year or two ago. I know I saw it different last year, and then this year, for the first time, uh, the Longhorns had a situation. Now, having said that, the two—it wasn't like going from Morgantown to Lawrence. Uh, or or Waco to Lawrence, you know that kind of thing. So uh, it was, you know, it was eighty five mile bus trip, going from Manhattan straight down Manhattan, Kansas, straight down I seventy through Topeka and down the t- Kansas Turnpike to Lawrence. So it was eighty five miles, and they had a day off in between. So when the game ended Saturday, when they won, they just got in the you know got on the bus and and uh, and rolled down uh, the interstate to Lawrence and got to the hotel Saturday evening and they fed the players and then they got a chance to uh, get a full night's rest and then they had a full practice at Lawrence High School on Sunday. Uh, They were able to have access to Allen Fieldhouse Sunday night to do kind of a shooting and uh, work through some situational things and then uh, yesterday had their regular shoot-around as teams do in the opposing team's arena. They have to be uh, allotted a time. And uh, they went in and, and did the shooting for that, and then of course had the game last night. So that's you know that was the difference in it in that they had the back to back Saturday money. And if you were going to do something like that, if you were going to schedule a team to do that, that was the way to do it. Whereas an easy transition thing, you would not want to make them fly home. Like I said, a, a, a Morgantown to Lawrence example would be if they played Saturday in Morgantown, four hour flight home then the very next day turn around and fly up to, to Kansas that would would not have been fair or equitable or any of that and so that didn't happen that wasn't that wasn't the case they've been pretty good about this and west virginia has played some saturday monday turnarounds but that's because of where the mountaineers are situated way on the east uh, eastern seaboard so in order to get them to uh, where they have to do a couple of games. They've tried to help them out with scheduling, especially when school was still out early in Big 12 Conference play where they could do that. Like they had a K-State, Oklahoma State. And that's a bus trip. Now it's a little longer uh, drive. I've made that drive. In fact, I made that drive last year in reverse at a Sunday afternoon, Oklahoma State, uh, a game in Stillwater for the women, and then uh, and then uh, drove up to Manhattan for a game against Kansas State, which was on a Tuesday, so uh, they have to kind of take all that stuff into account. Of course, a lot of conversation about the football scheduling and how uh, that that shapes up for Texas, and the the result or the uh, response has been largely positive on that as well. Uh, to the uh, Specs Text Line, our our man uh, Bevo Lance Jason says that's the Big Twelve giving Texas the kick in the butt, crummy road schedule as they slowly leave the conference. No. I, I it, like I said, if you were going to do it that way, then that was the way to do it. Because if you think about it, uh, you know, if, if by the time you'd fly home and fly to someplace else, that would not have been fair. But just to bus an hour, 20 minutes down the road, I don't think it was that big a deal. Now, the bigger issue was playing back-to-back road games. Uh, and what's coming up for them is their third consecutive Big Monday, two of which, the last two, the back two, are road games. Because they had the Big Monday game at home against Baylor. And uh and and that was coming off a road game at Tennessee. But they had the the home game against Baylor, then a road game at Kansas State followed by the Big Monday. But again, it's just straight down the interstate. That wasn't that that big a deal. But you are playing in back to back arenas. I will tell you this Uh, Regardless of the outcome, I was thinking about this yesterday, regardless of the outcome last night, which of course wound up on the short end for Texas, they are past the lion's share of their heavy road schedule. And by heavy, what I'm talking about is the two games in Oklahoma, which are never easy to navigate, and they got wins in both of those, the game at Iowa State, the game at West Virginia the game at Kansas State, and the game at Kansas. Now, they have to go to Lubbock, and we know what that means and what it's meant over the past couple of years. It it might be a little bit different for a couple of reasons. When they play next Monday, their third consecutive Big Monday game, when they play Texas Tech in Lubbock, it might be their third. It's their third consecutive Big Monday game. The, The atmosphere is always rabid. It was like that long before... Chris Beard's name ever came up you know uh when when tech had some lean years and and Rick Barnes had the longhorns really rolling in the early to mid 2000s uh it was still a rabid environment there when Bob Knight was the coach and even afterwards when Pat Knight was the coach um and and, and uh Tubby Smith so there was all of that there's always that rabid environment because obviously at Texas Tech their their fans really really get into it and and uh, really want to be Texas. So that's always been there and it'll be there next Monday night, although the flavor might be just a little bit different because obviously Chris Beard isn't there anymore and um, and Texas Tech's been struggling now we'll see how it is for the Red Raiders going into that. They have two games between now and then and so we'll see how they are uh, for that. So that's a, that's a couple of thoughts. On that, uh, uh in, in the follow-up, uh, Jason Beaverland, Jason said that's fair. He said I feel both the Texas and Oklahoma football 2023 schedules are scheduled fair and balanced. I agree as well. Uh, so uh, somebody said Texas got slapped up and down the court at Kansas. You love to see it. Well, maybe you love to see it. I don't know about slapped up and down the court. Uh, they lost by eight points. They were tied in the second half. They gave up a 15-7 run after that and couldn't quite get over the hump. They had two opportunities to take the lead down at uh, 47-46 and had a turnover on a travel. Uh, and then, again, at 49-48 brought it down, and Marcus Carr had a good look at it and the shot rattled out. Would have given them the lead. Didn't Didn't fall. Kansas responded and did what they had to do in really kind of a must-win situation for them. They were 6-4 and in the league going into that. So um, what does it mean for Texas? We'll talk more about that. But I'll tell you what, uh, Rodney Terry, we had our uh, conversation with him, uh, Eddie Orne and I did, after the game uh, to uh, discuss the things that did not work for Texas and why Kansas was able to get the victory. You say hard fault. I mean, gosh, hard fault, physical, all of those things. How about your impressions overall of the game?
0: Well, I thought, again, we, we could have done a better job, obviously, of taking care of the basketball. They came out and played with a great sense of urgency to start the game. Um, you know, just valuing taking care of the ball. When you're on the road, you can't beat yourself in that regard. And I thought we, we had too many of those type of plays early in the game. We gave them second-chance points as well, offensive rebounds. But give our guys a lot of credit. We came out in the second half. We buckled down. We put some stops together. And uh, we put ourselves right back in position to be in position to win this game tonight.
1: Yeah, 8-1 run to start the second half. Actually caught them at 43, and then they turned around and had a 15 to 7 run after that. I know there were some fouls and just a few missed opportunities there when that game when it was right there at a very delicate stage of the ball game. But
0: well, we did a better job of taking care of the basketball. We had five turnovers in the second half, you know. But you can't go in, a, in an environment like tonight and, and turn the ball over. You're gonna you're gonna feed a team points in transition. You're to get the crowd going, and uh, was well, something that we said we could not do uh, in this game. And uh, you know you know. Obviously Honesty, you know, we got we got to be better, all of us.
1: There was a, there's another thing I, I heard you saying also to the team is that you would expect a Jalen Wilson to have a big game. He only had two points in the ball game, uh, but you said the other guys can't beat us. And when a guy like who has the kind of game that he has, I know that's a, that that was a big point in the ball game.
0: Well, when you're going into this game, I mean, I, they, they're coming off a disappointing loss over at Iowa State, and you know, Coach Self giving him a lot of credit. He's a Hall of Fame coach, and in his press conference, he called out hit the supporting cast, and uh, we knew going into this game. The those guys are going to be ready to play, and uh, they were going to come out and play with a lot of energy, and uh, they were going to be a, a different-looking team uh, in terms of in terms of what they brought to the table. So that was no surprise to us in terms of those guys coming. Jalen's played all year at a high level. Uh, we did a good job on him tonight. He had two points, but but the supporting cast, they came out and they responded to the challenge. Rodney, you got a Saturday-Monday game coming up, much like this. What's your schedule like from here out? Will you have a day off, and what, how are your practice going? goes from here? Yeah, we've gone pretty hard over the last couple of days. It's been a, it's been a stretch for us here. Uh, we're going to have to get back and, you know, we'll get back late tonight, so we're going to have to uh, to kind of give the guys a day off, let them recharge a little bit, both mentally and physically, and then we've got to come back here over the next couple of days and uh, just uh, kind of regroup again a little bit and and uh, get back to our identity and, and understand how important it is to value taking care of the ball and, and, and guarding. I'm going to do a better job with working with our guys and making sure we try to get that point across and and we do a good job this week.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's what they do. Go back uh, go back to the work. By the way, I went back to the uh Specs text line. I, I I'm I'm a little slow on the uh uh on the draw this morning. That's what happens when you get back around three thirty in the morning. The uh texter said you love to see it. I looked at the string of text. Uh this is uh the, the, this the particular text is uh uh texter is uh, definitely a fan of the uh, Association of Former Students. In other words, Texas A&M. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. And uh, and, and um, fan takes. That, that that makes sense. Understand that. Stoner says that Kansas is to win at home to catch Texas in the overall record. They're still behind in the conference record. A sweaty win for them. He said, settle down, Beavis, about getting slapped. It, 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 an Aggie fan, so that's a that's okay. That's that's what fan stuff is all about. Um, Ice Cream Maine said, "Yeah, it's two road games, but it sounds better than being in Austin on a Saturday night and having a big Monday game in Lawrence." Made a lot of sense. Yeah, I, like I said, if they were going to do it that way, to where you played back to back road games, that would be how you would do Where it was a you know relatively short bus ride. Um, you know, if it, I I would not even have been that crazy about it if it had been a bus ride. From Manhattan to Stillwater, four and a half hours, or at Manhattan to Ames, about four and a half hours. That I don't think would have been fair, and and they might have charter flown anyway on that deal. But that, and I think the Big Twelve understands that when the scheduling of basketball games, it can be a complicated process. But when you're only going eighty five miles down the road, I don't think it's that uh, big a deal. Uh, somebody said, "Hey, Gray way. That's the uh, that was the nickname that. Cedric Golden, the Austin-American statesman, gave me because, if you hadn't heard that, that was when Jerry Finkbeiner, who was the women's basketball coach at Oral Roberts, before a first-round NCAA tournament game in 2005, I was doing a pregame interview with him, and he forgot my name because he called me two different names during the thing. He called me um, Greg, I think, and then he called me Gray. And so he said, Yeah, that's right, Gray. And blah, 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 blah. So he thought about it during the interview that no, it's not Greg or whatever. So he said Gray. So uh so after that said Gray. Go, Yeah, Gray Way. That's what that's what that's what said he got on to there. So <laughs> that's um, so some folks uh remember that. So Gray Way, what's the worst scare you've had on flight travels? Um I remember one time um going to Big Twelve basketball media days. And I was on a a, a private aircraft with Rick Barnes, uh PJ Tucker, uh the director of basketball operations, Jerry Johnson, and the media relations director for basketball, Scott McConnell. So it was just um I guess it would be the five of us were on a private craft. And uh, we hit, we hit. You know, it was just it, it, all it was was rough air. It was, but in a smaller plane, you're going to feel that more. So there's a bouncing up and down. The problem was it was hard to stay in your seat because you would start to slide down and get back up. And uh, Rick Barnes, with his sense of humor, was really enjoying it. So he said at one point, he said to PJ Ducker, "Hey P, what do you think? What do you think, P?" He goes, "Pretty wild, Coach." And it was, it was pretty. And he turned to Jerry Johnson. And so, how about it, JJ and and Jerry uttered something I can't say on the air about, but but it 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 ended with the word sucks. But but there was there was other things that was said. So that was a, a little bit choppy. There was also a flight trip to Lubbock with the team uh, on the the state plane days before they had the one charter jet thing, and that got pretty rough. And I was, again, I was on the plane uh, with. Uh, with Rick Barnes and a couple of the assistant coaches <laughs> and he pointed uh they had they had an assistant coach at the time, and i you know i won 't say his name He's, he 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 wasn 't on the staff that long, but it was a long time ago and uh and Rick was playing on his um on that assistant coach's um i don 't know if fear of flying is yeah you could say fear of flying because he would he would kind of raise his arms up in the air a little bit and and moan a little bit, you know, like he was trying to get some air or something like that, so <laughs> Rick would like point to all the radar or the cloud. you could see the storm he goes, "Hey, I don't know about you, but I think we're heading right for that big cloud <laughs> he would say stuff like that, egging him on um so that's that's been pretty much yet i don't we had a deal with women's basketball several years ago on the plane coming back where we had to land north of Memphis at a place called Millington, about 30 miles north or whatever, to, to refuel. But the re, but it wasn't really a scare. They just calculated they were going to need to stop to refuel because of headwinds. And, and it was going to be difficult to get back, so they stopped. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was... Just, we were in the middle of nowhere, and had to refuel to go back. So there've been some things like that, but but nothing really, really bad. Something that somebody said: Why, uh, why P.J. Tucker? He was playing for Texas at the time. <laughs> he was the Big Twelve Conference preseason Player of the Year that year in two thousand six. So. Uh, and about the scheduling thing, it'd be, it, somebody said it'd be like West Virginia playing in Austin on a Saturday and then playing in Waco on a big Monday. Exactly. And that's what West Virginia did early to open Big 12 Conference play, in fact. They started off by playing uh, in uh, Manhattan against Kansas State and then bust down to Stillwater. Like I said, it's about four hours or so to play – Oklahoma State on a Monday. Now, the big Monday schedule hadn't really kicked in yet because it was still during the holiday break, but that's what it was. It was a Saturday-Monday thing. Somebody else on the Specs text line said, just tell the Aggie fan to just worry about making it to the tournament. Somebody else said, we got slapped up and down because we were getting fouled all Yay! Uh, And then uh, Stoner said, Timmy Allen exposing Jalen Wilson as a fake player of the year in front of his home fans was the best part of last night. I don't know about the fake player. He's leading the conference in scoring and rebounding, but they did an excellent job on him defensively. The problem is, and it was one of the things that I asked uh, Rodney about in the postgame interview, sitting in the film session with those guys, when they were mapping out a lot of the defensive strategy, they talked about, you know, we you know Jalen Wilson may get his, uh, but we think we can do a good job on him. A couple other guys may get theirs. What we can't have is some of the support cast step up and do that. And uh, Joseph Yesafu was the example of that. You know, there was a guy who went in averaging, I think, three and a half points per game, and he had a big game for them, and uh, that was part of it. But, as you just heard, Rodney said, they knew that there were guys, they were going to change up some things. They definitely did. They needed to. Uh, coming off the loss to Iowa State and Bill Self kind of publicly calling out his team after that loss and saying there probably would be some changes there. So they 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 needed to do something to shake it up a little bit. The question for Texas now comes back to what do you do in the aftermath of, of that? Yeah, it's Allen Fieldhouse and it's Kansas. It's a top 10 team. By the way, first time in the history of the program that Texas played four consecutive teams ranked in the top eleven of the AP poll, uh, Baylor I think was number ten in the coaches poll. But so you could say four top tens. But if you're talking about the AP poll, uh, it's you know four teams ranked in the top eleven of the AP poll. That's the first time that that has happened. So you know that they've come through that grind. It went two and two on the stretch. Uh, I know this. There were probably a lot of you out there who may have felt this way, and the reason why I say that is because I had a handful, and that would be the right phraseology here, a handful of people say to me before the road trip, if they split the two Kansas games, that would be good. I would take that. I would take that. I'd, I'd be happy to see it. Well, they did, but the problem is when you win the first one, Then you want to go for the sunflower sweep, and when you don't get it, then there's some disappointment there. I would submit to you this, that I think of the two wins, uh, I know this may sound nutty to some, I think the win they got over Kansas State has more impact on the schedule, on the season, on the chase in the Big 12, winning at Manhattan, was probably more important than winning in Lawrence. And if you say, why is that? Remember, they'd already lost at home to Kansas State. So they got the split. If you're going to contend for a conference title, you can't be swept. You have to have, like Jeff was saying yesterday, sweeps when you can get them, splits otherwise when you can't. You don't want to get swept. So they still have a chance for the split with Kansas on Senior Day on March 4th. They have one more game with the Jayhawks, and that game will be at Moody Center. The K State game, they had to win that game to get the split, having already lost to Kansas State. They'll, they'll face a similar situation coming up. I guess it's a week from Monday, when they uh, uh, or Tuesday, when a week uh, is it a week from today? It's two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, when they host Iowa State. Remember, they already lost in Ames, so they get their second shot at the Cyclones. That being a home game, now they have a chance for a sweep. Of West Virginia this Saturday they have a chance for a sweep in Lubbock on Monday at Texas Tech so they have those opportunities they would they also have a chance for a sweep in Waco but that's a tough place to go and they're gonna have to deal with that with Baylor which uh, who now has Jonathan Chama back in the lineup although he's you know slowly making the progress to be like he was before so the end they still have to go to Fort Worth but they already own a win over TCU So there's still games to come, important games, down the road for them, both home and on the road. But they got the split in Kansas. They split those four games against four teams ranked in the top 11 of the AP poll. I think they're still, if you're keeping up with the bracketological prognostications, a number uh, on the two seed line at two. They'd gone to one on CBS, I think, but on the two seed line is probably where they're settled in at the moment. But that stuff, you know, we're still six weeks away or five and a half weeks away from the start of the tournament. In fact, I think the tournament starts five weeks from tonight in Dayton, Ohio, with the first four. Five weeks from tonight. Something to keep in mind.
2: Craig, did you notice any fatigue from the Horns last night? Because we talked about their their road travel, and it felt like last night could have easily just been a schedule loss for them, but what did you notice from them offensively, defensively, in terms of fatigue?
1: I, I didn't think there was a real physical fatigue factor. You know, they say that you know playing on the road can be mentally fatiguing when you play back-to-back games, but physically uh, I didn't sense that uh, from the team. Like I said, they got over to the hotel relatively early, Saturday evening, 7.30, something like close to 8 o'clock. They had a full meal. They slept in. Uh, Sunday morning <clears throat> till around uh, 9 nine thirty, so they were able to do that and then had a had a breakfast and then they and then they had a film session, then they went over and had a practice and uh, and then uh, came back later and then they had a, a walk through with some things going on uh, at uh, Allen Fieldhouse where they worked through some situations on on uh, Sunday night and again got a chance to to get some sleep before they got up. but. Now they also had study halls worked in there as well. So they had that going, but uh I didn't get a I didn't get a real sense of physical fatigue in that game. It's it's an intense game. There's no question about that. All right, coming up, uh we will have our Longhorn notebook just around the quarter from us. We also have inconceivable coming up and a lot more as we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049-1019 AM twelve sixty. We're live, local and digital on the Horn App and at HornFM.com. How. I've told this story before on the air, but I don't mind telling it again. First time I ever heard this song was in my dorm at UNC Wilmington, it's freshman, fall it's semester. And I heard somebody just, just heard that first piano riff right at the start, real loud. Because you know, how I was in dorms where guys would just blast their stereo. And I heard this real loud. That's I said, who is that? I walked down to the guy. This is the same guy who introduced me to Van Halen that year with the opening riff to Running With The Devil. Not Van Hagar. No, no. This was Diamond Dave, It was David Lee Roth, and the rest of that group back then. So It's a
3: good jam, Running With The Devil. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of really good Van Halen stuff. Yeah.
1: This is a Yacht Rock, you know, uh, standard. Uh, hearing Toto. All right. Uh, by the way, that other voice you heard there is that of my co-host. Hey, if
3: we're going to play Toto, who you got to kill to get some Africa around here? <laughs>
1: you got to kill to get some Africa. I figured Africa's been overplayed uh, on the airwaves.
3: Uh, so. Cameron, there's no such okay. thing as overplaying I, know I told you. It.
1: When the Loghorns played Iowa State in 2016, and the first time I heard them singing that, the students on that side, I'm going... How do they know this? And then found out it was because Weezer had done the had <laughs> had had uh redone it. That and it's probably played in some West Six bars <laughs> a couple times a night. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh that other voice we told you about is uh of course that of my co host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County. Proud graduate of Florence High School. Uh and uh, they knew him as highway seventy nine there when he wore the purple and white and was a Honorable mention, all district offensive lineman, but you know him best for his they outstanding work. They felt sorry words.
3: for me. That's how I got that award.
1: What's that? They felt they sorry. felt sorry for me. Hey, by whatever means, right? Uh, that that would be <laughs> Jeff Howe. Did you find out? I mean, did everybody back in the home county area and the home area in the greater uh, Andys Florence metropolitan area did they they dig out of it? All right. As far
3: as I know, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen any uh, Facebook posts of uprooted trees or anything, so. Okay, I've, I've, my people usually keep me abreast when things are are going off are off kilter a little bit, and I haven't gotten any okay. stress text.
1: Okay, so. uh, what Jeff is ready to do right now is to jump right in with the first hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff, how's Longhorn Notebook? A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock your home loan expert, your longhorn lender. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that is to turn around that home loan approval in a snap. After all, she is the person who can make that 10-day or less home loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. That's B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com.
3: Warren Roberson, Craig, horribly kept secret, but it's finally done. He signed with tech, committed to... Signed with Texas this morning, Yes, signed, sealed, and delivered. So the Longhorns now in the class of 2023 add probably, in all likelihood, uh, we'll see what Deuce Robinson does, but most likely this is going to be the last high school piece Texas adds to the 2023 signing class. So that, in total, is going to be 25 high school recruits for this uncapped year. 14 early enrollees, and Warren Roberson is the 11th who will be on campus this summer. Uh, what I like about Warren Roberson the most is what Texas is doing now. Basically how this staff has looked at the safety position. And we know, like, I get on my Dallas Cowboys all the time because they don't invest enough in the safety position. And it right. usually comes back to bite them. The Longhorns are doing the opposite. They are investing a ton in the safety position. Uh, like you know, We talk about it all the time. Last offseason, moving Anthony Cook there, moving Keaton Crawford there. Just wanted more bodies there because safety play wasn't the whole reason that the defense was terrible in 2021. There were a lot of guilty parties that played a role in that defense failing the way it did. But that group certainly didn't help a ton. And I think we saw that group was kind of a high risk, high reward position at times. You know, a guy like Brendan Schooler, he would he would gamble uh, because as we've seen, he's he made it a full season with Bill Belichick's Patriots. He only knows one speed, and that's full speed. And if he wasn't going to make a play, it was probably going to be a big play on the back end. Uh, And we know B.J. Foster had his issues. And pretty much the Will Howard touchdown run in the K-State game in the 21 finale pretty much changed the way Texas utilized the safety position. But instead of what I like about what this regime has done, Craig, and we talked about it, too, when the Brennan Marion move happened, when the wide receivers coach position became open. So, you know, every position group on this roster – Got better, maybe with the exception of wide receiver. There weren't mm-hmm. like wholesale improvements at wide receiver, but every other position group got better. Now, a couple of things there. Do you have talented players at those positions? Yeah, productive players, smart players, guys got better. But having a coaching staff and position coaches who are in tune with the development plan that Sark puts in place, because he talked about it from day one, they wanted to be a great developmental program because that, the overarching topic of player development has been the issue around here for what, almost 15 years now at this point? Going back to kind of the, the end of and, and we figured out in that 2010 season, hey, uh, Colt McCoy, Jordan Shipley, there were a few guys that, that matched a lot of the deficiencies that that program had at that time. But, uh, you know, you look at kind of where they are. They have talented players, but the position coaches, I think, deserve a lot of credit. And it's not like Sark did what we've seen some other coaches do, which is He hasn't neglected staff changes when they needed to be made, like moved on from Andre Coleman in the Mm -hmm. 21 offseason. But at the same time, he's not just making changes for the sake of making changes, right? It isn't, oh, well, you know, safeties aren't playing well, eh, maybe I need to get somebody in here other than Blake Gideon. No, just give guys some time, see how guys go through the development process, give them an opportunity to develop guys over more than one offseason, and then see how it builds. And the safety position, Craig, I think is a great example of that, because you looked at it in twenty one. and said, "Man, it's it's bereft of talent. You just don't you don't see a whole lot. You, you don't have a you know your twenty one class. You had JD Coffee, but things had really tapered off by the end of the Tom Herman era, especially when you and you moved to Marvin Overshown to linebacker. But you look at it now. You add Warren Roberson to this high school class to go along with Derrick Williams. Those guys will be here this summer. You got BJ Allen and Larry Turner Gooden, who both played sparingly in spots this year." uh Jaron Thompson's back for another year. Keaton Crawford is back for another year, who's uh, at the very least a depth guy. And then the X factor is Jalen Catalan. If you get a healthy Jalen Catalan now, now you're talking about a situation where after this spring you can look at the safety position and say, Man, does Texas have talented depth at safety? They might. If those young guy if a couple of those young guys really emerge and and nobody, you know, you don't have a a, a a you know, probably two or two plus attrition in terms of guys that are gonna enter the portal after spring ball, you can maybe start to look at safety as being a position that's that's got talented depth, and you couldn't have said that at any point in that 2021 season. So Warren Roberson adds to that mix. I like what they've done at safety, and, again, I think it's just a tribute to the job the position coaches did getting better at their craft and actually developing guys. In this case, it's Blake Gideon, and, you know, there's – there's staff continuity and lack of change. Sometimes you're just doing it for continuity' sake. Sometimes you're doing it because you see growth in the areas where you want to see it. I think that's where this staff is, Craig. I'm that's that's one of the things that I'm really encouraged by because you know by year by year two under Tom Herman, you could tell that there were probably some staff changes that needed to happen. But again, we are talking about masking deficiencies. I feel like the Sugar Bowl win just masked a lot of things that otherwise would have gotten changed. Right. That I think the man in charge felt like no 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 We got 10 wins finishing in the top 10 we're we're good right not going to make any any wholesale changes uh like I was like with well, Charlie Strong with that initial staff by the time you got to the end of year 2 i had to think you know who was I? there weren't that many guys left on that staff at that point from the from the initial staff
1: yeah
3: uh so it was we know that staff it was it was a struggle um but at the end of the day, like I, I think I, I felt like Sark hired a really good staff, and I think that's that's playing out now because again, you're seeing the growth at positions group. Look, if you're if you're at Texas, if you're worth your salt as a coach, you're going to be able to recruit. But identifying the right talent, developing the right talent, I like the trajectory that the staff is on.
1: You know, it's interesting. You brought up the number at twenty five for the for the high school signees that used to be the benchmark. You went for the 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 twenty five, but we've seen the sliding scale gray shirting, red shirt, you know things, things like that. Now you got the
3: uncapped year, and it's kind of hey, if you want to, yeah, I think what Nebraska's Nebraska's end up having like forty signees. Wow. Yeah, I think they finished with like forty signees or close to it. But I mean, Matt Rule probably took a look at that roster and figured he's in a different position where you're like I just need bodies in here. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know? had to get it started, uh, start. On. Right. He
3: he recruits different anyway. Matt Matt Rule's really good at what he does recruiting, you know, toolsy type yeah. guys. But you look at Craig. You look at where they're at the twenty five high school guys. Then you look at the transfers that they've added. You know, with Catalan and AD Mitchell. You've added your guys to the portal. Now it's all about you can focus on Deuce Robinson and, and whatever his decision is. But now it's all about. Letting these guys develop in the spring, get through spring ball, and now you figure, okay, where do we need to go attacking the portal?
1: I, I think it is also uh, important for folks to – now, you can make the distinction, but the difference between – and you and I have talked about this a lot, Jeff – between a commitment and a signee. Because I heard, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Roberson walked in, uh, uh, as, as CB said, he walked in wearing a, a TCU jacket. Uh, to the announcement, and then he picks Texas and say, well, he, w-, you know, some would, uh, some said, well, he walked in and then he committed to Texas. No, he signed with Texas. There's a difference. Commitments really speak to the future. Yeah. Whereas a, si- a signee, you're signed, sealed, well,
3: The way The way we've decided to handle it at Horns 24-7 with all our business, they they are a commitment until the school announces that they yeah. have processed the paperwork and they're official. Then at that point you're
1: then, then they're signees.
3: Because trust me, I've seen a lot of situations where you have the signing ceremony and then the staff, not necessarily Texas, but the staff is like, hey, uh, it's been two hours and we still don't have that in that, uh, NLI. You guys seen anything come through the fax machine? And then it's like, well... Mm-hmm. And then you get to like later that afternoon and some other schools got that paperwork and it's like well what happened was yeah we, and plus you get penalized for that too if you if you announce if you promote a signee regardless whether it's scholarship paperwork national letter of intent whatever you get penalized for that by the NCAA if you announce it promote it and then that kid signs somewhere else yeah. he's not a part of your roster i don't know what the penalties are but it's not probably not probably not a, a conversation a head coach wants to have with his AD
1: no and I would also say this, uh, that don't be fooled. I I think anybody who follows this stuff pretty carefully probably understands what I'm about to say and and nods their head and and gets it. When you see guys at a quote-unquote signing ceremony, and they are signing in their picture, they're not signing their national letter of intent. They're signing either a blank piece of paper or a piece of paper that just has a couple lines on it and some scribbles and things like that and like, hey, I'm going to sign or whatever. Yeah. that It is ceremonial. That's Ver- why it's called a signing ceremony. It's very, a ceremony.
3: Very rarely. I have been to one or two where you actually see the National Letter of Intent on the table.
1: I, I'll, is- I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll change. I'll alter it this much by saying this. And there was a reason behind it. You remember that. You about to
3: get the Derek Evans hot tub story?
1: No, okay. but I remember that. Okay. I remember that uh, with that uh, Dallas Carter in '88. No, I was remember when when they had that USA versus uh, uh, All Star yeah. game here, and they had the players actually sign their letters of intent down at that Marriott. And what happened that morning was what happened here last week. All the power got knocked out, <laughs> and people were walking around with flashlights and things like that because yeah. it was before you had the flashlight on it the iPhone. 2011, iPhones. yeah, yeah. So that was kind of weird in a in a cold dark hotel and guys trying to because, sign their letters yeah, of debt.
3: Doc, DocuSign, yeah. wasn't PDFs were the thing at that point. Yeah. I remember the following year because they had the ceremony, but I remember like being in the back room in that hotel, like one of the conference rooms, and there's a fax machine, and I'm standing there and. Uh, Caleb Blewett, Malcolm Brown, DeJay Johnson, like I'm standing there and I'm looking at them and they've got the NLI paperwork and the scholarship forms Mm -hmm. and guardians are having to sign things. And one of the guys I think had forgotten a form or forgot to get a parent's signature and is running around. So I I have seen like that process play out, which is fun and can be a little But those are now,
1: nowadays, are more the exception than the rule. Yeah,
3: but yeah, nine times out of ten, if you see somebody like – you know, the TV camera's there, and oh, he's signing, and you've got the balloons and everything. It's, they're just, they're not, they've already sent the paperwork in, and it's,
1: yeah. Uh, maybe you remember this. I don't remember this. CB said, uh, who was the Texas recruit who flipped a coin at his announcement? Okay.
3: Allegedly, Chris Warren did that. Yeah. I, and I, and I love Chris, yeah. but I, I still don't believe that he did that. I, I don't think it was a coin flip.
1: Yeah.
3: I know, I know the, uh, the act of the coin flip there were there was more than one coach in charlie strong's office that morning who was not very happy with the way that thing was (laughs) played out yeah (laughs) happy with the end result but not happy with the how they got there
1: yeah okay uh up next we've got inconceivable as we continue to light the tower here on the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 we're live local and digital on the horn app at hornfm.com
0: craig way and jeff howe light the tower
3: inconceivable inconceivable Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think
0: it means.
1: Um, a couple of items to, to get to inconceivable. Uh, one of them, like you said, somebody on the Specs text line asking about how could the Longhorns have only six assists. Yeah, that a little bit inconceivable yeah, on that uh, So,
3: So here's how that happens. Um, when you got the ball, right, you find the open man and you pass it to him and he scores, you get an assist for that. So Kansas did that more times than Texas
1: did. <laughs> well, and, and uh, a less acerbic answer would be uh, that they had a lot of quick shots in possessions at times, or the turnovers early on prevented lack of assists on made baskets. So that's one area. That's a cleanup area. Uh, no question about it. That's one thing they wanted. That they'll and we'll have more on that coming up past top of the hour. We we'll get Jeff's take on it as well on the game last night. Well, uh, one other in, in, inconceivable note you asked about the bursa, dude. That is gnarly. Uh, I don't know if folks can see that they're, they're watching there on Twitch. It, Cam, it, you seen this? You it, seen Craig's arm? It's, there? it's actually better than it was. It is. Uh, it's it's better than it was. It was in bad shape. It was all purple and stuff like that. But I will tell you, the Texas team trainer, since I've been on the road so much. Uh, Rosemary Regal with the women's staff, and then Warren Young with the bench staff have done a really nice job with it. It's in the wrapping and the ice. A little bit of ibuprofen here and there. No, when I watch the
3: game, I, I like Warren. He does a good job. He's one of those people, I, I don't want to see him get off the bench because when Warren gets up in a hurry, it's never good. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and a lot of I don't know if you notice this, and this is not just with Texas. It's with a lot of trainers. When a guy goes down or when a woman's basketball player goes down, The trainer won't immediately rush out there. A, they want to see if they'll pop right back up, and then B is like, "Sure," and then they'll go out there afterwards. There, not because they don't want to get out there. Yeah, so just they're they're checking on that just to make. Make sure, but the, uh, those uh, the medical and training staffs do tremendous no, told you jobs. You can get
3: you one of those sweet Allen Iverson sleeves
1: for your arm. <laughs> yeah, for your yeah a little compression working yeah. through the sleeve. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's a
3: fashion statement. People forget Allen Iverson did that because he had like a legit elbow injury and needed yeah. a compression sleeve.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't because of that. Uh, Mellow wore one just for the fashion statement.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it has become a, a fashion statement on the court, but. Yeah. AI did it out of necessity.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, here's here are some other things. Um, so you were into this whole deal. You guys were about the Chinese balloon that, that yeah. went across the country yeah. right there. Uh, they um, and, and you saw where it got shot down there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- not Not far from where it got married. Yeah. Right there off Surfside Beach. It was not, not far from that. Um, but uh, as a result... Uh, China's upset about it. They said today they will, quote, resolutely safeguard its legitimate rights and interests. Okay.
3: Is that code for we're going to send a strongly worded email to your supervisor?
1: Mm, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that was the deal. Uh, I'm
3: a big fan of the strongly worded emails. Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: those Those work, you know, sometimes. Those are...
3: Those are big. Let me rephrase. I'm a big fan of mocking my wife for at times sending the strongly. Oh, really? Email. You do that sometimes? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think it's hilarious. I get a kick out of
1: she's it. She's not on board uh, with with your mocking of it. However, no, she no. believes in the she, strongly she, worded email.
3: She, she, and and sometimes the resolution that she's seeking happens. I just think it's hilarious that she gets that fired up. To it. It's not like the annual email that I send Folgers for yeah. ruining the Peter Comes Home commercials at Christmas. Right. That's different. Like I'm kinda doing a bit, but I'm kinda not. I really do miss the commercials. But yeah, she really wants answers to problems. Okay. And um, I think it's funny.
1: Yeah. Um You guys I, I know you do, I know the answer to the question for you, Jeff. You don't play lottery. Uh how about you, Cam? Do you play no. The lottery? No. I'm not a lottery lottery guy.
3: I, I get I do scratch offs once a year at Christmas. Okay. Which actually we let my daughter scratch some tickets off this year. Charlotte won more money than I did this
1: did year. Did she really? Yeah, she won like
3: like thirty bucks.
1: On, did on did she actually get to keep the cash or no, no, no. exchange it for goods or something. No, no. You went and probably went went to card traders and you know, <laughs> picked up something. I played right? fifth on yeah. That. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, uh, there was one single winning ticket last night in the Powerball. Oh, seven. It was in uh, it was in Washington State where this happened uh 700
3: you were in Washington
1: 754 million six hundred thousand dollars mm. uh that would buy a lot of
3: tickets to cocaine bear
1: uh, it would It'd I probably would you buy know a lot what? of cocaine if so I won. Matter. if
3: I won the lottery you know what I do I would single-handedly finance Cocaine Bear 2. There's going to be a sequel, and I'll I'll finance it. <laughs> okay. Or the Snakes on the Plane sequel or something. You know... If uh, you got yeah. a bad, a good, bad movie idea, if I not win the lottery, hit me up. I'll make uh, that
1: happen. Of course, Washington State is where CB exists. He says, I did not win the lottery. Uh, I wasn't the person in Washington State. But somebody won it by matching the numbers 5, 11, 22, 23. Sixty nine and Powerball Thanks. seven. Those uh,
3: were the numbers I was going to pick.
1: All right, now here's the eternal question: Do you take the annuitized uh, price of seven hundred fifty four million six hundred thousand dollars, or the lump sum? You, you want, the, mean, lump. I'm you want going the lump. You want the lump. Sum. The lump is four hundred seven million. <laughs> so you're getting Sweet. you're getting just slightly over half of the price take by taking it's the 400 loan. million more than I had yesterday well that's true too okay so uh anyway um, there were other uh, big winners in the Monday drawings that included several tickets two in Michigan and, w- and three in New York that won a million after matching the first five number all you have to do is match the first five that's five you get a million that's all you have to do if you can do that
3: Jerry Seinfeld there
1: it was <laughs> it was a little bit there um, you can travel a lot speaking of travel this is something we discussed, and this came up the day we had Fran Freshill on the air because he now uses those uh, air tags through I- Apple on yeah. his luggage, right? Nope. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so did this couple traveling from Montreal to Greece Nikita Reese and Tom Watson. Uh, Tom Wilson. The PGA golfer? Nope, nope. Tom Wilson oh, okay. and not the late former Texas A&M football uh, coach. I was either.
3: just fixing to go there, but yep.
1: thank you. They got married, went on their honeymoon, flying on Air Canada. And uh, hey. and the groom's bag got lost in the process of deboarding and exiting the airport. So, But they had it tagged. So they they saw it. And they were asking. And Air Canada said, yeah, we'll get right on that. And one month goes by. And meanwhile, they can see it moving from, like, from one place to another with the air tag. So they keep asking, what's the deal? Yeah, we're, 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 we're working on it. We're working on that. And so the wife starts posting on TikTok what's going on. So they've been in Greece and got back. After the luggage had lost, they filed the missing luggage report. We noticed our luggage was moving from air tag uh, with our air tag from Montreal to what we now have learned today. And it went to another part in Canada, and it sat for several months. And so they were like, what is the deal? So after another week, they went to the storage facility where their luggage was located since the AirTag updated them. She said, what did we find? Floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall luggage. Just like hundreds of bags in there. So then they decided to get the police involved. They got a warrant opened open up the storage facility, began searching and combing all through the lost luggage. And then they found out that the lost luggage had been donated to charity by Air Canada. Yeah, donated to charity. After it was deemed lost, they electronically transferred some money to Reese's account as a form of compensation, amount that wasn't even worth a quarter of the contents in the bag. And so now they're suing them so for So, what that. was in the bag? I don't know. Just personal stuff, you know. But, yeah, there was that. And uh, finally, the other thing we've got. I recently lost my mother, as, as folks know, and uh, I know some other people that uh, lost parents lately, and sometimes when you lose uh, a parent, uh, it happens at a facility, you mm-hmm. know, a nursing facility or assisted living care facility. Well, an 82-year-old woman uh, recently passed. Uh, this was in New York State at Port Jefferson, uh, pronounced dead. Water's Edge Rehab Nursing Center in Port Jefferson. Uh, she was taken then to the funeral home uh, to begin the funeral process. He had one problem. She was still alive. She had been oh. pronounced dead at the nursing home on Long, Long Island, or as they say out there, Long Island. Found to be alive nearly three hours later at the uh, funeral home. Yeah. A similar incident was reported recently in Iowa, where officials said a 66 year old woman was found breathing inside a body bag after being pronounced dead. Yeah, just make sure they're dead. Don't just pronounce them
3: dead. Sounds like dead. the sound like the grandma and bad Santa who they yeah. think died in the yes. recliner and then she <laughs>
1: pops up and wants to make them some sandwiches. That's right. Second hour of Light the Tower coming up on the horn.